Welcome to another episode of Racks and Reels, the hunting, fishing, outdoor show where we talk with real folks about their strategies, stories, and things we love about the outdoors. I'm your host, Mitch Gordon. Welcome to Racks and Reels, Minnesota. All right, folks, welcome to the show. This week on the show, we got Mitch Christensen here on the line today, and he's on the line because he lives out in Mitchell, South Dakota, correct? Uh, I, actually, I live in Montevideo, Minnesota. Lives in Montevideo. I was going to say, you still have the 320 area code, but uh wanted to check in with that as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I live in uh, yeah, western Minnesota. Okay. All right. So, well, uh, born and raised here. So. B- born and raised in Montevideo? Yep. So you must have went out to South Dakota for a little bit of time then, huh? Yeah, I uh, just went to school out there. And, uh, you, pr- you probably got that on my uh, Facebook profile, huh? Oh yeah, the, the social media because that's pretty much how we met. So <laughs> yeah, that's the only way I know you. Awesome, man. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your uh, sharing your knowledge to the best of your ability. Like I tell everybody, you know, everybody's got their opinion and and beliefs and the way they do things. And uh, when I saw you on social media, and whatnot, I thought it was interesting, and I thought I'd make a message to have you on the show and uh you know i, I really like the western hunting stuff and I'm, you know i'm busting into that myself the last couple of years and i know we've exchanged a few messages back and forth but uh saw you do a lot of that and uh maybe we'll get some you know uh pros and cons of of why you uh, why you enjoy it and whatnot but uh at first let's uh let's start with the background i guess and kind of explain yourself and how you got into hunting and fishing and or maybe just hunting the way it looks <laughs> yeah i uh I can't say I do a lot of fishing, um, but uh, yeah, I just um, like I said, I grew up in uh, in Montevideo here and uh, got my first bow when I was I want to say fourteen or fifteen, mostly just because my uh, my buddies in town just said I had to try it, and um, so I got a got a bow for my birthday and uh, never really looked back. Just. Um, Pretty something much I love, something, yeah, something I love to do. It's pretty much consumes all my free time. Yeah, no kidding, man. No kidding. I'm just listening to a podcast today from the local archery shop and you know, I mean, the title was practice, 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 but it's like for archery for me, I mean, it's not about, you know, I mean obviously practicing, getting the reps in, but it's like them guys shoot every day if it's one arrow or fifty arrows. I mean it's like it's always fun. You know, it's never like, oh, I got to go shoot my bow or, you know, it's baseball. I got to go to baseball practice. You know, it's like never a drag. It's, it's always something that lets everything go. You know, it's like sitting in the deer stand or chasing, you know, a wild a big game animal. It's just like, man, just you're out there and you're doing it, you know? Yep. No, so, I, I hear you. It uh, it can definitely get frustrating at times. I, uh, I've kind of this year dove into um, – well, I bought a bow press and kind of have my own little bow shop set up. So I kind of got into uh, tuning and all that stuff. And that part of it can definitely be uh, frustrating at times. But once, well, I mean, you, uh, once you get that figured out and you're just shooting, yeah, it's, there's nothing much better. Right. I mean, I mean, just like, I mean, hunting can be frustrating sometimes, but can't get that frustrating as far as a, a bad job or, bad, you know, bad day at right. the office, you know. <laughs> right. Yep. I hear you there. So, well, cool, man. Um, so you're in Montevideo, Minnesota, and uh, you do some western hunting. You do big game hunting. You hunt turkeys, elk, whitetail. Um, I even I see bear on your on your Instagram too. I think. 
Yeah, last year was my first year trying bear uh, up okay. in northern Minnesota. Um, okay. That was a it was a fun experience. Uh, dad, my dad and I uh, both got drawn, and so we went up there and and did our own baits and everything. And um, that part of it was tough. Just the uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I live four and a half hours away from there, so it wasn't like I got up there to do a lot of scouting or anything like that. Um, but had a had a small bear come in a few different days and. I just elected to let him let him go. So okay, but definitely a cool experience. You know, I've you know I've talked to a few people that do some bear hunting, and you know I, I don't I haven't talked to somebody that lives and you know lives for the bear hunting, and that's all they do. It's kind of I got drawn, you know I put some bait out, and I heard the I mean the baiting thing is that we have at our land up in uh, up in northern Minnesota too. We have. Um, a mom and bear with you know three little ones, and you know it's just like every year they're back. I haven't seen them this year um, yet, but something did knock my trail camera over the other day, and it was all black. So I'm sure that was it. <laughs> you know, um, what I'm getting at is you know the guys that are successful at it, they're up there baiting three, four, three every three, four days. They're putting new bait out, and that's the only way really to be successfully at it. I mean, unless you get lucky, right? Right. I, it, that's kind of that's kind of what I hear too. Um, okay. I talked to a few guys that have done it uh, successfully, and uh, I even talked to a few guides up there. Um, and you know, everybody's kind of got their own way of doing things, or they got their own schedule. But yeah, that's kind of the, the basics of what I understand. Is you kind of almost got to get the bears on a schedule. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I haven't I haven't dove into that yet, and I always. I always feel like it's going to screw up my whitetail season a little bit, but I don't know, give or take, I guess it's early season. And, uh, I mean, they're all animals too running around. So I don't know if it would really screw things up, but yeah, well, you know, the, uh, one of the guides I talked to, um, I found it really interesting. He said 90% of the bears in Minnesota get shot within the first 10 days of season. And nope. okay. the, the bear, the bear season in Minnesota starts, usually Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you know, that's a couple weeks before our archery deer opens. Right, right. So Yeah, that makes sense, too. That makes sense, too. So anyway, so you, you didn't get drawn this year to go again, did you? Nope, nope. Okay. Didn't get drawn for that, but okay. I don't think I would have had time for it this year anyways. Okay. So, uh, and then I said you'd see some antelope, too, uh, in case you do those speed goats, huh? Yep, this uh, this will be my third year going after them. Um, okay. That's uh, if you've never done it, uh, I would highly suggest it. It's <laughs> it's seriously the most fun I've had bow hunting in a long time. I mean, it's so much fun. I've heard I've heard that. I've got some buddies in Western Minnesota um, by Morris. I go uh, all the time, and out to South Dakota and do it. And it's like, man, they they said there's so much action. There's you know, it's mostly a long shot, you know, kind of thing, but it's, you said there's a ton of action. Yeah. It's, um, you know, depending on if you're going to sit in a ground blind or try and spot and stock, we, uh, buddy of mine that I go out there with, uh, we've mostly just tried to spot and stock and, um, it's fun because, you know, they pretty much live in the wide open and they got these bright white butts. And I mean, you can, you can see them from two miles away. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, you, you see them all day long. There's never a, a lack of not seeing them. Um, 
and that's what's fun about it is you spot a group and you try and make a game plan to get close and most of the time it doesn't work out but sometimes it you get close sometimes you get a shot sometimes you don't you know yeah for sure and do you wear the like they wear the big old uh antelope head on their head and whatnot <laughs> yeah I've, I've looked into getting one of those i haven't bought one um we've just used some just pop-up decoys um, okay which that is actually how i killed mine last year um i was actually hiding behind a ground or a, a big round bale and yeah. had my decoy set out there just to get to keep their attention more than anything sure okay um, just to, uh, so they, they weren't paying any attention to me and, uh, yeah, they, they walked right to that decoy and got Damn. about a 50 yard shot. And that was about, about as close as I've ever been to an antelope. Yeah. That's, that's, well, that's a close one. I mean, I've heard guys that are launching 70, 80, 90 yards out. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, uh, something I've always wanted to do, you know, and like, like you say, you consumes all your time and, you can do so much when you when you're swinging an arrow, you know, rather than a rifle. There's so much more opportunity, and I mean, I'm biased because I'm an archery hunter, but uh, it's 100% true. I mean, you get to go so so many different states and so many different seasons, and you know, you don't have to drop. You can go out over the counter a lot of the times on different big game, and it's a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And oh. you know, I, I know uh, I've been going out to South Dakota, and like this year, their season starts. Um, august 15th which is only less than three weeks away so i mean it can get you it can get you bow hunting you know a month before minnesota deer august august 15th august antelope hunter yep this 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 year it is okay is that earlier than normal um no it's usually right around there yep okay sure that's an over-the-counter tag if you're from minnesota Yep. yep okay Good to know. Good to know. And there's a lot, of, there's a lot of public ground out there too. You know, so you can, you know, yeah. Or do you guys, you know, try to get permission on public land? Well, uh, I mean, I'm kind of lucky. I uh, so I went to school in Mitchell, South Dakota. Okay. And um, one of my uh, best friends from college grew up on a cattle ranch out western South Dakota. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, they, they give us permission to go hunt on their ranch, which is is really nice. Yeah, and I mean, like, and with antelope, it's like whenever I'm driving out west, and I'm playing music or anything like that, or you know, going out hunting, it's like all of a sudden you're into antelope and you see a lot of antelope, and then you don't see nothing for a long time, you know. Yep. So I remember when I was coming down from like uh, northeast corner corner of Colorado down to uh, Steamboat and Kremlin area last year for a tour, it was just like, oh, I'm into antelope, and I mean, I've saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of antelope. They would never come on the road, but <laughs> I saw hundreds of them. Yeah, they uh they hate fences. So if there's like a fence along the road, they they won't. Well, that that makes sense and why it didn't hit me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh it's actually really funny to watch them get to a fence cuz you would think they're the dumbest animal on earth. Um trying to cross the fence, <laughs> but um cuz they they won't jump a fence like running full speed. Okay. They will they will literally come to a dead stop, stare at the fence. And then jump over. Or a lot of, how they're going to get over? Yeah, or a lot of times they'll look for a spot to go underneath it. Sure, sure. But wow, it's incredible. Uh, which is another uh, strategy if anybody is out there. 
looking to do some antelope hunting. If you just can push them into the fence. <laughs> yeah, you can if you can run them along a fence line. A lot of times they'll come running right by you. Awesome, awesome man. Well, let's uh, let's shift let's shift gears here. Let's um, you know I, you know I mean obviously it's in your you know, on social media and whatnot. It looks like you do some elk hunting um, and whitetail, like I say. Um, do you, what one do you prefer the, the most? I mean, obviously you've probably been white to hunting for most of your life since you had a, uh, you know, a, a archery in your hand, but, uh, what, I guess, what do you prefer most out of both of them? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they both have their, uh, their, I don't know. How do I put this? Ups um, and downs. Yeah. The ups and downs or the highlights, I should say. Um, you know, I, I really, I do enjoy whitetail hunting, but, um, I enjoy mostly like come rut and get more action and um I don't do a lot of early season whitetail. Um Okay. But uh but then, you know, getting out west, you know, you're constantly moving or you know, you're never really locked down in one spot and that's something that I really enjoy out there is seeing new country and and just uh And kind of being the little man with I mean yeah. You know, it, it, for me, I only went last year for the first time, and we're going to hunt this plan this year too, uh, as well to go elk hunting. But like, man, it was such an eerie deal, and it mentally, you just—I mean, honestly, it kicked my butt mentally. The first year, I mean, it was just like we were out there. We had, you know, obviously we didn't have any cell service. We didn't know where we were exactly going, and we kind of had an idea, you know, what not. I've been to the area before, as far as you know, as a as a tourist and seeing a friend out there, but. When you're in the thicket, man, it's like uh, you're just you're a little you know piece on the puzzle, and that puzzle's a pretty big board to play. And oh. uh, you know, whitetail season, it's usually going to somebody's place or you know some friend that they know the land and they draw you a map where you got to go, or you know you know where you're going. Yep, yep. Out there, out west, it it makes you feel small for sure. Yeah, yeah. It makes, you, it makes you realize that you're just a speck of sand. Well, let's let's chat about that West just a little bit. Uh, may, maybe most of it. I'm not sure how much we want to share or whatnot. But um, so you've been you're going elk hunting, archery elk. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. This okay. will be my uh, fifth year going to Montana. Fifth year. Okay. And now is that a draw tag or over the counter? Um, it is a draw, but it's um for the units yeah. I've been hunting <laughs> is a it's just a general uh, general tag. So okay the I mean, you're you're basically guaranteed to get it. Um, you got to apply back in March, I want to say it is. Okay, so it's basically a, you got to put in for the draw, but you're probably going to get it. Yeah, it's I I don't think they uh, I don't think they sell out of non-resident tags. Um, during the draw, they usually have some leftovers. Okay. And then, uh, but then those go pretty quick. Okay. Cool, man. So what? area roughly you mean central or yeah yeah central montana okay. um uh, the first year i went um just kind of did some research online um just uh i i really wanted to find an area or a unit that uh i could shoot either a, a bull or a cow yep. yep um just to up my odds i'm not going to be picky um you know, I I don't get out there to do any scouting or anything <laughs> well, like that. So that's the tough thing for you know, when, you know, the first time you're going out there, if you're, if you're you know, if somebody's going looking to go out west, it's like 
don't ex- don't hold off on a you know bull elk. If you have the chance to shoot a cow elk and you get a good clean shot, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, what I mean, that's a, it's a huge task just to bring one down. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think a lot of guys see the Primos hunting videos or whatever, <laughs> myself included, and you think you're going to go out there and two to call and they're going to come running, and right. that's not not exactly the case. Right. I watch. I've been watching uh, Born and Raised and then uh, the Hush guys, and you learn a lot from them guys because they're out there doing it. And obviously, you know, they probably have a little aim here and there kind of thing. But, uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys, there's a bunch of them guys, you know, and they work hard at it. And it's kind of cool to see their progression as far as, you know, when they strike out and when, they, when they're when they in them, you know. Right, yeah. No, so, I, I've, I've watched all the, the Born and Raised, Land of the Free stuff. And yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. you, a guy can learn a lot just watching other people do it, and and I think those guys are pretty good about kind of explaining how they do things and um, kind of why they do things. Right. Um, it isn't. It isn't like you know we're here. This is what happened. Boom, it's done. It's you know from the boots they're wearing to the arrows they're shooting and why they're doing this and they even have you know you know when they're quartering the elk out and they're they're, they're boning it out. They all you know there's always videos that they're doing that you know it's easy i mean it's easy enough to like oh yeah i never thought about that or uh, you know bringing like easy as like bringing the tarp with to put your meat on <laughs> when right you're, when you're you know quartering it out and pack, packing it out so there's right. all these all these questions i mean for the experienced hunter and for the guy that's looking to do it the first time you know as far as going out west it's it's a shocking thing and there's so many questions so the guy that i'm bringing out this year with me it's his first time so he's asking all the questions like i did last year there's still questions that I'm like, well, we'll figure it out as we go, you know. Yep, yep. No, that's uh, it's a whole new ball game out there. It's, you know, I I feel like around here, if you find, uh, you know, a good chunk of trees and some water and some food, like there's gonna be deer around. Right. You're gonna yeah, you're gonna have an opportunity if you put enough time in. Yep. And uh, and out there, it's you know, you could walk the same trail seven days in a row and you're not seeing a single elk, but they might be there on that eighth day. Well, that's the thing. It's like how many how many days do you go when there's nothing there? How many days before you switch, and how many you know switch your location, or how long until they just get pushed over there? Right, right. And so, I mean that's a question I think probably everybody asks themselves out there is, you know, do we do we stay here? Do we move? You know, it's like are they in the, are they in the burn area from two years ago that there's no growth in there, or are they? You know, in the thicket up top on, you know, Brush Mountain. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So, well, if I can ask you, I guess, a few questions. I mean, as far as what does your archery setup look like? Um, do you switch it from, you know, white tail to elk, or do you kind of do a happy medium between both of them, or what, what's that look like for you? Um, I don't I don't switch mine up at all. Um, okay. Right now, I'm shooting a, a Expedition Archery. Have you, I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, so I've got uh, their new MX-16, um, a 2020 model, and um, I got that set up at 80 pounds, so I'm shooting a 570-grain arrow out of that. So it's, uh, yeah, and it's, it's spitting them out about 300 feet a second, so it's it's moving. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the new bows are shooting so fast, you know, and, I remember when I, I, I 
heavied up my arrow a little bit uh, for elk season, but I, I, I went from 125 grain tip I, to back to hundreds. And, uh, I mean, it did slow my arrow down when I had the 125 on there, so I picked up a little more speed. But um, I'm not going to dull my setup anymore. I went back to 100 grains, and they, they fly right on my bow, and I'm, I'm happy with it. And I believe that if you hit it in the right spot at the end of the day, the good old theory is, hit them in the right spot you're gonna have a you know a pretty pretty lethal you know kill and blood trail and and easy success you know yeah no i i totally agree uh you know i think there's there's always debates on broadheads and stuff like that but at the end of the day if you hit them where you're supposed to yep um speaking of broadheads what what kind of broadheads are you on the shoot are you shooting um well i just picked up some iron whales okay um uh, I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, it's a that's a fixed blade broadhead. Um, they're not cheap. They uh, they're pretty spendy. It's they're like a hundred bucks for three of them or something like that. Oh, really? Iron wheels. Iron wheel, yeah. Um, okay. I listened to a podcast about them, and you know, I'm sure that was <laughs> uh, of all of us. That was uh, you know probably an advertisement for them too. But um, I've. I've been shooting them into my target and they're they're flying well um and I know I've shot it into my target probably I don't know a dozen times and it still feels razor sharp so so far I'm I'm pretty happy with them but um and then I I picked up I've got some severs as well that uh, okay. I'll probably shoot Okay now these are uh, are you picking up the I just looked them up here as I'm talking to you here um are these the ones with no vents in them, or are they solids? I got the solids, yep. The solids, so the, okay. The no vents. Um, they just came out, I think, with a wide cut. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'd have yep, to look wide at them, series, but... S-series. You got the S-series then? Yep, the S-series, yep. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I got a buddy that shoots the non-vented you know, model of broadheads, and I can't remember what model he has but he, he likes them you know as far as that goes and like i said he said they're expensive too he might be shooting the same thing actually yeah yeah um oh. i'm all, i've i i don't know why but i just have um, i don't know i'm just kind of biased towards fixed heads for some reason sure okay um i've never really had any bad experiences with a mechanical but um to me there's just something about not having to worry about a blades opening up or yep anything like okay. that it's just you know when it when it hits it's cutting and the other thing is if it gets stuck in the animal you know if a lot of mechanicals those blades are just going to be flopping around they're not really going to be cutting whereas a fixed blade you know if a yep. deer elk whatever take off running and they're moving that arrow around that blade is inside just cutting everything doing damage yeah yeah, there's such a love hate between. I mean, a fixed blade and, and mechanical. I mean, I've been shooting um, my you know rage rage mechanicals for you know since I was 15 years old, and I, and I absolutely love them. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I tried going to fixed blade last year, and it just I don't know. I couldn't get it to fly right. You know, and then they say, well, you're bow tuning and this and this and that, and I just kind of got frustrated. And you know, I I, I want to try some again. I'm gonna actually go buy some fixed blades and see if I can get them to fly right because i would like to have a fixed blade you know especially if you do get a close-up shot you know out west you know it's, it'd be nice to have one on you know rather than a long shot on a expandable but i think regardless i mean 
I mean, you can tell me wrong or tell me experience or stories you've heard, but I mean, if I, you know, put the rage expandable where it needs to be on elk, I mean, we're going to, we're going to have some good, uh, success, I believe. Yeah. Right. I, and I agree. Um, you know, I, the thing that, uh, that worries me is just that shoulder on that elk. I mean, it's going to be a, a lot bigger mm-hmm. and tougher than a, than mm-hmm. a whitetail is. Right. Um, right. And so that's because I've, cause I've kind of heard like, I mean, even with a fixed blade, I mean, if you hit that shoulder, you're, you're kind of, I mean, SOL, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, in a way that's, that's part of the reason that I'm shooting 80 pounds in a 570 grain arrow is, well, <laughs> well, you're a big man. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but, oh man, you're a big man with the beard. The, the new bows too are, they're, they're a lot smoother drawing than, than they were five years ago, 10 years ago. I pulled my, uh, um, my PSE X-Force. It's like a 2008 model or something like that. Okay. At 70 pounds. I pulled that back the other day and I thought my shoulder was going to pop out. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy that the compressed limb designs and the cam systems now these days, I mean, I shoot a Matthews tracks and I mean, I could definitely pull more than it. I mean, it's max, but I could definitely pull more. I mean, I just don't, I, you know, don't, I don't have a reason to, I guess. So, yeah, right. You know, right. So, but, uh, so, I mean, besides your bow and your arrows, um, are you shooting a single pin or are you shooting three pins? Um, I'm shooting the, uh, the spot hog, uh, double pin. Okay. Double pin. I got it. So I, uh, yeah, I, I switched over to a single pin. I don't know what it was four years ago, and um, I kind of had I had some target panic going on, and um, you said it, that, not me. That, yeah, <laughs> I hope I didn't just jinx anybody. No, you're uh, good. <laughs> um, but uh, just having that single pin uh, post really just cleared up the sight picture for me. Um, yeah, I wasn't wasn't counting pins or anything like that, and you know I think. Uh, uh, in archery too, I I want to be as accurate as I can, and yep. have, having that single pin, um, it hasn't really screwed me yet. But uh, just being able to dial it to the right yardage, and not have to shoot between pins or shoot gaps or anything like that. And I'm the same with you. I love it. I switched to single pin years ago, and you know, the only thing is you, you got to learn where to shoot. Um, you know, I kind of set mine at 30 and I know where I need to aim at 20 and I know where I need to aim at 40, you know, and the difference. So if you do get in that situation, but man, if you're in a tree stand and, and you got to, you know, like last year I shot a bucket 43 yards, ranged him at 43, pulled back and shot him at 43. Like I, well, there's no guessing, you know what I mean? That's yep. the, that's just the nice thing about it. And some guys say, you know, when I go at last, they're like, Oh man, you kind of risking it with a single pin. I'm like, well, that's why I feel comfortable. I just don't like the clutter. But my cousin that shoots a five pin, he he loves it. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Uh, yeah. It's you know it's the same thing with anything in archery. It's all preference. What mm-hmm. what's your what you're comfortable with, what you like, and you know, totally whatever. cool. Totally so, cool. Um. So, uh, you shooting the front stabilizer and back, or just the front? Um. So I'm shooting a quivalizer. Okay. Um, yep. My my buddy shoots one of those that goes out to Idaho, in Montana. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, cool. So and and I I like that. It's it takes some getting used to. Um, it definitely adds quite a bit of front weight. But uh, so it, for the people it, that don't 
the people that don't know what that is, it's basically your quiver um, that's screwed into your stabilizer spot, and that just goes straight straight off the front of the bow. And I mean, you you, you do some target shooting the way it looks too, correct? Um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit here and there, yeah. Okay. And then, so you mean, I mean, it's just a preference thing. That's all it is. I mean, I have a buddy that shoots a front stabilizer and back stabilizer, and he loves it. And I tried it, and I just can't, you know, it's a, but that, a stabilizer is something you really got to play with in my eyes. I mean, I went through weights and, and different, you know, lengths, and I tried the back stabilizer thing, and I finally found, you know, an 8-inch stabilizer with two weights off the front of it. Is, that fits me. Right, yeah. No, I, again, it's a it's a preference thing. Um, yep. Uh, I've shot the I've shot the back bars and and I liked them, um, but uh, yeah, this this quivalizer I I like the idea of it too of you're kind of in a way eliminating some weight off your bow. Right, right. Because I hate having the uh, I hate having my quiver on when I'm shooting. Like I yep. never practice with it. That's the first thing I do. I take take that off when I get in the you know the whitetail stand. So even when I'm out west. It's, I plan on, you know, taking that off if I can get that off in time Right. take the shot. But uh, I've always tried to, you know, do some practicing with it on just for that feel, you know, too. So. Right. Yep. Nope. I hear you there. Cool, man. Well, that's a cool uh, cool deal, and it's a unique, you know, bow as far as, you know, rather than the major brands, I should say, that everybody, you know, shoots. It's cool to see somebody shooting something different. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're They're – a pretty good company, I would say. Uh, uh, might be a little bit biased. I'm friends with some guys that work there. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sponsored or anything by them. But I got this new bow, and I I really like it. It's it shoots well. I, like I said, I earlier I bought a bow press and kind of have my own little shop set up in the basement, and I've uh, I've learned a lot tuning and and stuff like that and had some frustrating times with it but um now that oh, i actually have it now that i have it dialed in i i'm confident with it so that's that's an important thing is just being confident in your equipment you know well i mean it, it's all about you know i i ask a lot of buddies that you know are going to get a new bow or maybe they're getting into it for the first time and for people on the podcast they ask me questions you know and it's about going to a good archery shop and shooting, you know, three, four different models that you want to shoot. And I guarantee you that a guy that's helping you will know exactly what you're shooting the best. And I'd say eight or nine times out of ten, you're going to pick the right bow that he, you know, thinks you're shooting right. Yep, yep. I get so. guys I get guys to ask me every once in a while about, you know, what what's the best new bow or what bow should I shoot or what bow should I buy you know, I generally try and tell them go to go to St. Cloud or something, and where you got archery country and shields right there, and just go shoot all of them if you can. Yep, yep. Shoot them all. Yeah. See what see what feels the best. What you're shooting well, um, and just let the bow decide. That you know, yep. every bow company right now is they're making a good product. Yeah, it's not like they're making a. It's not like you're buying a. You know. It's like buying a Chevy versus Ford. They they make both good products. You know what I mean? It's all preference. It's all feel. It's what what really you know puts the frosting on your cake. Right, right. Yep, so. I agree. And yeah, like I said, I 
I'm friends with the guys from Expedition, but if I didn't like this bow, I wouldn't be shooting it. <laughs> well, right, yeah. I mean, just because, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's just not, there's no different than, uh, you know, a buddy that sells Chevrolet trucks. You know, it's like just because I'm buddies with them, I don't like the pickup, then probably not going to drive one, you know, yep. vice versa. Yep. So, yep. Um, well, let's let's keep talking about the Out West thing, if you don't mind. Um, first of all, we're actually going to take a quick break here for the song of the week. And uh, once again, Mitch Christensen on the Racks and Reels. Episode 18, boys and girls. It's been a cool adventure, so uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you'd like to be a part of this radio show and podcast with a support sponsorship program, please shoot us an email at racksandreelsmn at hotmail.com or message us in one of the social media platforms. Now back to it.
So about the song of the week, Mitch actually messaged me and said, "Hey man, um, do you have a you know a song picked out for the song of the week yet?" And I said, uh, "No, not yet. Why? You got a re- request?" And he said, "Hey man, how about some Tyler Childers, uh, Universal Sound?" So I said, "Heck yeah, love me some Tyler Childers." All right, folks. Thanks for tuning back in to Racks and Reels. Once again, we got Mitch Christensen on the line here, and we're talking mainly, I mean, he's done a lot of big game hunting if you're just tuning in, but uh, mainly talking elk hunting and kind of his setup, and we're going to shift towards uh, a little bit more of his setup, what's in his backpack, and some preparation for this fall on his on his hunt out in Montana, and uh, we'll take it from there. So you are going back to Montana, Mitch, right? Yep, yep, Okay. that's the plan. So when you're going elk hunting, um, are you are you backpacking in and tenting? Are you going in a hotel at night? Are you sleeping in a enclosed trailer, a camper? I mean, there's so many different ways to do it, and there's not a right or wrong way. So how are you doing it? Um, well, um, sleeping in a tent mostly. Um, okay. I've, we've <laughs> we've had some nights where you know it just or nights and days where it just downpours and everything is soaked and. We say heck it and drive into town and rent a hotel room and just air everything out overnight and we gotta <laughs> get up the next morning and go um hoping to uh in the next few years uh invest in something um, a tent a hot tent or a wall tent or something where we can get some good dry heat uh, sure coming out of it so we we won't have to do that but that's uh hopefully in the future um okay but uh yeah we've we've mostly uh we've been ready to go back country i guess you could say uh, prepared for it um but to be honest with you most of the the elk we've gotten into have been less than two miles probably from the road okay so or you know where we can park so um buy rough it if you don't have to yeah right exactly i mean Sometimes it you put a few more miles on in in a day, maybe just uh, going in a little bit deeper than you maybe planned. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, we've we've been ready to go in deeper and set up camp. And um, but if you're if you can get on elk a mile off the road, why would you go any farther? Well, right, you know, and I think a lot of guys, you know, especially my mentality this year is, you know, we're going to be prepared to to set up where we are at the end of the day and, uh, you know, spend the night. But if we don't have to and we find a herd of elk and, you know, we have success and whatnot, or, you know, maybe we know they're just a mile and a half in, we'll mar- march a mile and a half in in the morning, you know what I mean? And sleep in a nice dry van and <laughs> with a little bit of heat maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and it just makes life a lot easier if you, you know, got more food and everything back at the pickup or wherever you're driving or, you know, kind of got a base right. camp set up um where you know you're not packing in three days worth of food and yep. and stuff like that we'll you know we'll pack food for the day and and go in there and, and spend the day in there um but most of the time but you're prepared and i think everybody should be prepared to spend the night in the woods just in case you know in case of emergency kind of thing well right yeah i mean we got you know your your emergency stuff with you you're uh yeah uh, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, like I said, um, we've we've gotten into elk not too far off the road, so um, 
which it has been that, good. It's Montana's, uh, you know, living in flatland here. It's pretty tough to prepare for the terrain out there. Right. So I guess we can jump ahead maybe just a little bit. I mean, since you got that, what are you doing to pre- prepare for it? Are you a guy that just says, uh, screw it and shows up on the, on the hunt or do you do some working out? No, I, I don't. I, I work out, I try and work out, you know, five, six days a week. Um, okay. But, uh, like I'm not a cardio person. I don't, not something I enjoy. Um, yeah, me too, man. <laughs> so, too. so if I can force myself to, to go for a run or, um, even put a weighted pack on and go do the stair stepper or something like that, just to, just to get the legs in a little bit better shape and lungs in a little better shape. And Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been doing the same, you know, kind of deal. I mean, you know, three to five days, depending on what, what day of the week it is. But, uh, I hated cardio too. And, and you know, and until I started going out West and I've got to, I don't say I like it or love it, you know, but I do find, you know, some success from going on a bike ride in the morning, you know, or, you know, uh, walking uphill on the treadmill, you know, if you haven't done that, definitely try it. Go high as that treadmill, go and walk uphill as fast as, you know, 3.5, 4 miles an hour, depending on the day. And uh, do it for 30 minutes, do it for 40 minutes, and it will, I mean, you're not necessarily trying to get your, you know, your heart rate up most of the time. You're just trying to get them legs in shape and, you know, not not to go for five minutes, you know. The, the, the durability of, you know, going uphill for that amount of time. And uh, with your weighted pack, and I'm just about to turn the corner here in August, I'm going to do, I do the weighted pack in August, and I put a 40-pound salt box, salt bag in the back of my backpack, and may look like a looney tune on the on the at the gym but uh it, it definitely helps shoulders and get everything right in shape and that's basically what you're trying to do yeah yeah for sure um yeah i agree it's i'm glad i'm not i know i'm not the only looney tune but <laughs> yeah no, i'd like me i get some funny looks sometimes when people see me walk around with my pack on and they're like what's this guy doing you know like are you going on a trip no i'm just doing this for fun <laughs> well they, they probably think i'm homeless and just hitchhiking around the country or something well depends depends what gym you go to i guess but <laughs> well no i mean like if i'm just around town and stuff you know oh right right so you're where you're just walking around town and doing the thing yeah yeah but okay. um i mean a lot of times now I i just go to the gym and go on the stair stepper but uh, yeah but uh yeah I've, I've done it just around town just to get kind of miles on I, I should say just there's not a not a lot of hills around here but just yeah, to get miles on i feel you. i went to archery shoot uh in superior wisconsin last week my band played there and we got to shoot the next day and man i'd give anything to to be you know around that ski hill and uh that terrain that man i could you know go up and down that ski hill all the time or run up it or run down you know kind of thing that'd be a blessing but yeah you know, I'll, I'll, how was Bullfest, by the way? Man, it was awesome. We uh, we played a played a show there on Friday, and then uh, we watched uh, Hairball play on uh, Friday night there. And then they actually called us, and uh, at ten thirty, they had a, like a band that played inside the lodge cancel, and they needed some music. So uh, I told her, I said, "Well, we're three, four beers in." I said, and she goes, "That doesn't matter. Can you play?" I said, "Well, I was." Yeah, I guess we can make it happen. So we wrangled some more gear together, and because we didn't have to bring production, and we played a couple more hours inside. It was, but the bow fest was, uh, it was incredible, man. It was shooting them archery targets. We uh, there were different lines. You, know, you could shoot from the you know, the pro line or the 
blue line or the um, I think it was the kids line kind of thing. But there were some definitely tricky shots, like through the through the you know skinny of the two trees that are two inches. And uh, man, it was it was a cool thing. I, w- I looked at my cousin that does some production with with me and such, and I really wanted to stay uh, and stay the whole you know that whole next day and Sunday too. <laughs> Yep, yep, I hear you. That's a that's a shoot I need to get up to. I'd I'd like to do that. They say it's the largest one in the I think the U.S. Is it really? And it's it's the largest shoot and music festival. Maybe that's what it is. Huh. So they 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 were talking about doing like ten days of it next year. Um, really? That's the, that was their goal or something. But I, they already do it for. But uh, yeah, it was well put together. Everybody was super laid back with the situation that's going on now, and I don't want to talk about that at all. But yeah, <laughs> um, oh, I hear you. It was it was so much fun to see everybody just uh, they just it was laid back. There was no like restrictions or signs saying like you know no pulling the bow back here. Just it was just common sense festival, and it was awesome. So right, right, that's awesome. But, yeah, man. So we got about. Uh, I don't know about twelve minutes left here on the sh- on the on the show here with you today, but um, so back to that West deal. What 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 do you carry in your pack? If you would if you want to start with like maybe the first five important things that you'd have in your pack, what, what would they be? Water. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I've got kind of a, a possible pouch. I guess you'd call it um, just a first little first aid kit. Um, okay. Um, uh, water, obviously, some food, um, rain jacket, uh, pants, maybe, depending on uh, kind of what the forecast is calling. Um, definitely some sort of uh, late, like an outer layer, uh, like a puffy jacket or something, okay. just insulation. Um, you know, one thing I've learned out there is the weather can turn pretty quick and, um, you know, you don't want to be out there in a in a t-shirt if snow starts flying. Um, right, which it very possibly can. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess you know, just really basic stuff is. I mean, basic, I'll, I'll, you obviously got your binos off front, range finder on the front, uh, on a harness of some sort, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Bino harness, range finder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the stuff that I actually carry in my pack is, you know, stuff that you hopefully don't need, even need to use or, um, you know, just you, you stop and take a break and have a granola bar and drink some water or whatever. Because I found, like, eating eating every now and then is a lot better than, you know, taking lunch and eating, you know, your four things. I mean, then you don't want to move the rest of the day is the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm pretty good at taking a mountain nap here and there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Middle Sunday. of the day. Yes, sir. I've uh, we haven't done that yet, but I'm sure someday here we that'll, that'll be in the future. So, yeah. um, do you uh, a bear spray or or a sidearm? What do you prefer? Um, I guess I've always just brought bear spray. Um, okay. the area that we hunt, it's I don't know. It's kind of weird because you. You talk to uh, the National Forest Service, and they tell you there's no grizzlies out there. Um, but then you talk to local guys, and they're like, "Yeah, they're they're out here. There's just not that many of them, mm-hmm. you know." And and so it's uh, definitely getting a pistol has crossed my mind. But 
the buddy I go with, he always carries a pistol, and I got bear spray. <laughs> so I figure between us, we're we're probably all right. Yeah, I mean, most of the time you're going to be next to each other, you know. Anyways, if you're going in, you know, a two guys kind of thing. So that's kind of where I stand too. While one guy has firearm, one guy has bear spray, and kind of got the best of both worlds if the situation arises. But uh, just like uh, just like carrying, you know, in, in the public, it's uh, I hope to God it never have to use it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I uh, had a little run in with a black bear last year, which I, I shouldn't say run in, but um, it was pretty cool. We were working this little area, and I I saw something moving, and so I just kind of stopped. And here was a it was a black bear with two cubs, and they got to about thirty yards, and then I thought I I should probably let them know I'm here because the last thing I want to do is get between a a sow yep. and the cubs. Yep. And what uh, do? I, I just said, hey, hey, bear, hey, bear, and yeah. I had my bear spray out. Um, but, uh, yeah, they were they were confused. They stopped and looked at me, and they turned around, ran away, and they stopped at 100 yards and looked back again. And But it was pretty cool. You know, it's it's just fun out there, the, the experiences you get and stuff like that that, you know, you don't normally get around here. Well, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a hiking trip, you know, in all reality. I mean, not not for our goal, but uh, the hiking trip, man, and the stuff you see. And uh, I mean, when, uh, I've even seen carvings on trees and messages and stuff people have carved on trees, you know, ten years ago. And uh, it's super cool to see. But um, what else is uh, in the pack besides, you know, some food and those essentials? Obviously, you got your knife and probably some Ziploc bags and such like that, and some wet wipes and uh, anything else that. And that you th- that's unnecessary, but you like to have. <laughs> well, um, I usually bring just a, a small sheet of like Tyvek, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just a, like a tarp. Um, you know, you can use multiple uses, but uh, you know, the goal is to have a good, clean place to lay some meat down, um, and some game bags. And usually, I'll have like a a big trash bag um, sure. in my bag too. Um, depending on on uh where you kill and how far the hike is and stuff like that it's kind of nice to have a big trash bag if you want to throw meat in that obviously sure. you don't want to leave it in there too long you got to let that meat breathe but um you know if you, if you just got a short hike or something throw it in there and then you don't have to worry about getting your pack all bloody and well right right and for the people that don't know, they make game bags, you know, for that reason, that breeze and, and whatnot, and they're designed just for that meat, quarters, you know, pack meat, whatever it is, they make they make that stuff. So, um, you know, don't use a trash bag. Go buy a $20 game bag at, at, at you know, minimum. So Right, right, yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's what they're for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, cool, man. Uh, so heading out west again, and uh, you've had some success out there, if, I, if I'm not mistaken right, correct? Yeah, I uh my second year I killed a cow on the on opening day. Okay. Um, w- which was super cool. Uh I just just to mention my first year out there, I uh I did not see an elk until the day we were leaving. Okay. No and uh so that was that was a bow hike. That was a week of bow hiking. Yeah, um, bow hike. <laughs> and then uh and then that second year um yeah, I, I killed a cow on opening day, um, which was super cool, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. But you know, then you only literally have one day of elk hunting. 
Right. I mean, it's a tough situation, but uh, tell me the story about it, if you don't mind. Like, tell me a quick story how it all went down. It was, uh, <laughs> it so was first, kind of wonderful. First of all, did you, did you go in saying, you know what, this is my second year, I'm going to kill a cow if I see a cow? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, okay. I, I had my mind made up. Um, okay. Beforehand, that if I if I got a shot, I was I was going to take it to pretty much anything other than a calf. Um, but uh, yeah, I just um, the the plan was my my dad came out there with me, and he wasn't doing any hunting. He was basically just the camp cook. He hung out at camp and stuff. But uh, yeah. I had him drop me off on a trail, and my plan was is I was going to basically work down this trail go cross country for a mile or so hook up with another trail and then work it back towards the road. Okay. And, um, so I, I took off and I get down the trail and I start going cross country and I start getting into some pretty good elk sign, you know, some fresh, fresh elk sign, fresh poop. Uh, there are some rubs on trees and smell them. Yep. Yep. I, you know, I was fairly certain that, that there was some, at least in the area, and uh i was like i said i was by myself um so i i was just kind of making some some cow noises um just because you know i'm making noises i'm walking through and um honestly i i popped up in this little meadow kind of behind a tree and there was a cow standing there at 40 yards and i uh i'll never forget i had my pin set at 40 yards and no, i didn't I drew back and I put the pin on her and I thought to myself, I was like, I should probably range her. So I, I literally let down, ranged her at 39 yards, drew back again, let the arrow fly double lung. You know, she ran, she ran hundred, 150 yards and had piled up and, um, but, uh, yeah, so, I knew I, I didn't have a lot of time uh, before dark when I finally got to her. And uh, so I got to work right away, uh, getting her cut up. And, um, you know, like I said, my, my original plan was to get down that other trail to meet up with my with my dad. Yeah. And uh, But the, the original trail that I left on was a lot closer. So... I get uh, I get a quarter and a back strap or whatever it was in my pack and and I take off um, towards the trail that he dropped me off on and uh, I get I get to the road right about dark and I knew you know just my dad being my dad he's <laughs> gonna be a worry working way and uh, you know we're I was a mile or a little over a mile away from where he was planning to pick me up at dark. Sure. And so, uh, so I just dropped my pack along the road, um, and took off walking down the road to, to go find him. And he came, he came driving over, I don't know, probably half hour, 45 minutes later. Um, all worried, kind of wondering what the heck was going on. Yeah. No kidding. And, uh, so I, I didn't even say a word. I literally just handed him my phone with the picture of the elk that I had just killed. And uh, he was pumped. It was. Oh my God! How special that was, is that? Yeah, right. That's that's something I'll I'll never forget. 
you don't ever forget. Man, that is such a cool deal. And you were just trying, I mean, no cell service, obviously. You couldn't call them, I'm sure. No, no cell no. service. We we had walkie-talkies, but those don't even work. Um, I, I suppose <laughs> it's just all the all the trees, all the pines, and yeah, whatever. Um, those don't even work. So yeah, there was there was no uh, communication there, and it's a lot different than than the world we live in now. You know. Oh God, that, yeah. Oh God, that yeah. was a that was something the first year going out there was, was pretty weird. Not having cell service for a week is. Yeah, man. I, I feel you. I had, kind of nervous. I had the same thing. It was, it was. It's the thing that uh, the majority of the world, you know, at least me, I was like, Oh, I'll be fine. It's kind of an eerie thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So, but, uh, well, Hey, I, I hate that. I, hate I to look cut. forward to it. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to get used to it this year. That's for sure. But, um, I hate to cut you off, man, because I feel like we could go for like another hour, but uh, I got to do uh, an hour hour show, so I'm gonna have to cut you off. But um, maybe we'll get you on right before the season and and see when when, when exactly are you going? Um, well, I'm I'm going elk hunting. I leave the uh, the weekend of September 11th for that week. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, like I said, uh, I'll be antelope hunting hopefully in the next three weeks. Um, okay. and then, uh, might sneak a couple days of mule deer hunting in North Dakota in between there. Man, we could go on and on and on, but I really want to touch on that Western stuff. So we yeah. touched briefly on it. We could talk about a couple hours, but, uh, I, I hate to cut you off so early, but we'll have to keep in touch and we'll have to have you on again and maybe after your hunt or maybe even before your hunt and, you know, see the results from, uh, from the out West hunter and just maybe how your season went in general. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear, uh, hear about your season too cool man well hey let's keep in touch and uh keep exchanging messages on how everything's going so for sure all right once again mitch christensen here from uh montevilla minnesota chatted some big game uh opportunities with him and uh, even heard a little story out of him out of his first cow so i appreciate being on the show yeah thanks mitch all right thanks a lot buddy see ya Thanks for tuning in to Racks and Reels Minnesota. Re-listen to this episode and find previous shows wherever you find your favorite podcast. Find and follow Racks and Reels Minnesota on all major social media platforms. I'm your host, Mitch Gordon. Now get outside and do something. And don't forget those wet wipes.